Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Oh, say that again. Good morning. All the men say good morning. All the ladies say good morning. All together, good morning. Hopefully it will be. It was so good to see you. Man, we've been gone for a, a couple of weeks, but we're back now, and we're not going anywhere for a long time. But we had just a great time in Africa, and uh, man, I had this surreal moment. I know Megan already spoke about this, but I just had this surreal moment where we're sitting in, uh, not in, actually, outside, and, uh, and we've got a church that's gathering at a building that didn't exist two years ago on a property that we didn't own three years ago where we're feeding 400 kids that we didn't know six years ago. And it was just this surreal moment of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And, and, and you know, often I, I think we, <laughs> we feel like we're impacting the lives uh, of this amazing community, but I'm sitting there and they were impacting my life by their faith and their joy in the midst of nothing where the average income is between 150 to 200 US dollars per month in the midst of nothing. Yet just from their, the depths of their soul came this overwhelming expression of gratitude for the goodness of God. And I thought, what a privilege to be a part of that. And, and not just for me, but you've been a part of that. And now we're going to tell you more about it in the weeks and months to come. We're going to give some of you that are not sponsoring kids an opportunity to sponsor some kids. And, and I just, man, I hope that we, and I'm going to share a little bit about this today, but I, I hope that we never take for granted the opportunity to impact the lives of people. And I hope we never get to a place where we're closed off to being inspired by people around us. I just, I just want to always be on the cutting edge of whatever it is that God is doing, maybe even the bleeding edge, where sometimes it's painful, but we're just outside of our comfort zone saying, God, whatever you want to do, do it in me. Amen? And I just hope as a church, you guys got real quiet for a moment. I hope as a church, we can always stay there. I, I hope as a church that many of you can go with us to Africa in the future and see what God is doing there and come home with a renewed sense of gratitude for what we have in this amazing country. And uh, I just am excited about what God is up to. And I'm really excited about what God wants to do in our lives today. And in the weeks coming up, there's always a pivotal shift that takes place in the weeks preceding Easter. Easter is not a holiday we celebrate because we do egg hunts, but it is a day that represents the turn in the tide for all of humanity when Jesus could not be held by the grip of sin and death, but was resurrected to life, which is the very essence of what it is that we believe. And there's always something that changes if we'll allow God to do that preceding Easter as we get this expectation up and this excitement up for what's coming. So jump on and end the journey. Get a necklace. Wear the necklace. Invite your friends. I've invited somebody every day. It's been my goal every day. Uh, and then this week I got somebody kind of thought I was an idiot for inviting and got in a debate about whether God is real or not. It was exciting. And I said, I don't care what you believe. Just come hang out at our church. It's going to be fun. So invite people to church. They're ready for Easter. I'm telling you, man, it's going to 
be amazing. Three stinking services. Come on. Can we get excited about that? It is going to be nuts. Three of you are super excited. But I'm also stoked about something that's coming up. Don't you love second annual and third annual? We have our second annual Movement Men's Golf Tournament. Oh, yeah. Some of you are excited. It's going to be awesome. April 13th at Rancho uh, San Joaquin, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, Come and hang out, guys. So listen, everybody do me a favor. Specifically, guys, pull out your cell phone. Text the word golf. Just get the information. Uh, The cost is 75 bucks. It includes a round of golf with some of your best friends and barbecue. Come on, Jesus. And uh, it's going to be awesome. And if you can't play, it's okay. Last year, there's a lot of guys who couldn't play. And oh, good news, dudes. It's a shotgun start this time. Come on. Can I get an amen from some golfers out there? So literally, there were about 16 guys last year who had no business being on a golf course. And it was so fun. So even if you can't play, come and hang out. Uh, We're going to have a great time just playing golf and uh, being dudes and having a fun time. But let's dive into this series. Are you ready? We're in a series of brand new. Everybody say brand new. All the men say brand new. All the ladies say brand new. Wow. Why is that a bad thing? I'm just saying. A brand new series called Gilded Cage. Everybody say Gilded Cage. Uh, And this is a series about shifting perspective and finding new purpose. It was the year 1900. Everyone say 1900. And this sentimental ballad became one of the most popular songs of the day and age. And it reportedly sold more than 2 million copies of CDs, no, not CDs, of sheet music in the 1900s. In fact, my friend Brooks is actually going to play the very song, The Bird in a Gilded Cage. That was the title, A Bird in a Gilded Cage. Cage, and it's about a young woman who, who married for the wrong reasons, and she traded a life of fulfillment for a, a, a life of material gain. I think another way of saying it would be she was a material girl living in a material world, but this is not about Madonna, and, and I just thought, you know, she, she was running after what she thought she wanted in life, but the results were less than desirable. There was a reason in the 1900s this song became so popular. And I want you to listen to the lyrics. I want to read them for you today. And I, I think you might find that this, this feeling, this sentiment still wafts in the air of Orange County as well. Here's the lyrics of the song. She's only a bird in a gilded cage. What a beautiful sight to see. You may think she's happy and free from care. She's not though she seems to be. Tis sad when you think of her wasted life, for youth cannot mate with age. And her beauty was sold for an old man's gold. She's just a bird in a gilded cage. This is the second verse. This is pretty powerful. I stood in a churchyard just at eve when sunset adorned the west. And I looked at the people who'd come to grieve for loved ones now laid rest. A tar marble monument marked the grave of one who'd been fashion's queen. And I thought she is happier here at rest than to have people say when seen, she's only a bird in a gilded cage. Is it possible for, for you and I that we could be living just like this young girl? Chasing after the futile gains, yet losing our life in the process. 
You know, Jesus talked to some people about this very same issue in Mark chapter 8, verse 36. And I was reading this week and I thought how profound the passion translation slash paraphrase requoted this scripture of Jesus. It says, for what use is it to gain all the wealth and power of this world with everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life. Is it possible that the life you're living right now is not the life you were created to live? This series is a short series leading up to Easter. And, and I just want to ask, as I do all the time, but I, I feel the necessity on a regular basis to repeat myself. And, and that is this. Uh, you know, no, never do we hope in any sermon to wow you with intelligence, to blow your mind with theology, or to just make you laugh. But you know what our hope is? That in every experience on a Sunday morning, from the beginning of the time when you get out of your car until you return, our hope is merely to be conduit. To merely be a vessel that God uses to potentially push pause on your life. And if you and I will just give him the moment and the permission to speak to us. I truly believe in the essence and at the very core of who I am. That if we'll give God permission to do that, we actually can leave here just a little bit healthier. Changed for the better. And I just want to invite you to jump in the journey with me today and in this series so that you and I can truly live the life we are created to live. Can I pray for us? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray. God, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you that your plans are for us, and we thank you that you orchestrated, you calculated. God, you planned and strategized, and you have woven all of our lives together, and we are here in this room for purpose, for reason, not by accidents, not by coincidence, whether we were invited by a friend or are on staff at this church, you are here strategically, and that means that if you're here, anything can happen. So God, we want to not be uh, opposed to or closed off to what you're doing. God, we want to be open to the fullness of the potential of everything that you can, but more importantly, everything that you want to do in our lives in this room room today. For those of us that are seated here, those that are in the family room, those that are listening online, God, I pray right now that you would do what only you could do, that you would be God and do the miraculous. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, the title of my sermon today is Crip Keepers, Consumers, and Contributors. I don't know why, I just thought it sounded a lot of fun. But before I dive in, I just, I want to talk to some of you who might be able to relate. How many of you can remember your first or second car? Can you raise your hand? Some of you are like, I just want a car desperately. And I don't know about you, I don't know what your life was like, but I, my first car I bought with $800 cash from my grandmother who recently passed away. It was a 1985 Delta 88. Come on, Jesus. And when you would put the radio on and you hit a bump, it would stop. So you had to bang on the dashboard. Just How many of you had a first car like that that would just kind of build some character, right? And uh, you, I had to buy an oscillating fan because the air condition stopped working in it. And 
My wife, she had a couple of first cars because she got in a lot of accidents when she was younger. But that's not important. That's not what today's about. And, and in the late 90s, when she was 42 years old, she, her parents, <laughs> just bringing it back to the center. No, he, she was not 40. She was like, I don't know, 22. But anyways, in the late 90s, her parents bought her this beautiful seafoam green Nissan Sentra. It looked like a, 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 a fish vomited up a pregnant skateboard. And uh, I didn't know, I don't even think it had four cylinders, like two and a half. And, uh, and I inherited that when we got married and we bought a new car. So how many know, guys, she got the new car and I got the beautiful masculine seafoam green. Come on, somebody. And it was awesome. And I would never forget, I was driving uh, over an overpass on the highway and all of a sudden the engine started making some pretty loud noises and just locked up. The car died. I'm cruising down this like overpass going, Jesus, please get me to the shoulder. And I pull over and I'm calling my wife on a, you know, a Primeco cell phone that was about this big right here. And, hey, babe, come get me quickly. And so she came and picked me up. We had the car towed to an auto shop. I don't know about you. I know absolutely nothing about vehicles. Any other guys in here like me? Oh, two. okay, great. I know how to drive to a place to get it taken care of, and I'm probably being taken advantage of because I have no clue. They're making up names like Flux Capacitor. I'm like, okay, great. Let's get two of them, and uh, if we need them, let's do it. So we had it towed to the shop, and, and he called me. He's like, hey, bro. Uh, you had a piston that shot through, I think, a gasket. I don't know, something like a cylinder. I don't know. It literally hit the, the hood of the vehicle. We got to get a, some of you guys are laughing at me. We got to get a brand new engine. I'm like, nobody wants to drive that car. We're not fixing this sucker. And I was trying to figure out what had happened and why. What's wrong with Nissan? What's the manufacturing problems? And he goes, hey, when was the last time you got an oil change? I said, say what? <laughs> What does the little sticker say? He said two and a half years ago. Yeah, some of you are laughing because you know I didn't. I mean, I was a young kid at that. I was 12 and married, but it's not important. The problem wasn't Nissan's manufacturing. It wasn't that they needed to do a recall on a seafoam green Nissan Sentra. The problem was me. I didn't get an oil change in the car. Are you tracking with me? So in order to actually fix the problem, we have to find out what the real problem is. Otherwise, we could replace the engine, and I could go another two and a half years and be right back in the same spot. Are you tracking me today? Well, I just want to say get ready for a minute, because today I, I want us to potentially identify where we're at as an individual, to identify what the potential problem might be so that as we examine and explore the potential of whether or not you and I might be living in a gilded cage, pursuing a life that we think we want, but really headed towards disaster and frustration and discouragement and disappointment, in order for us to make the adjustments, in order for us to be healthy, we actually have to identify where we're at currently. Can I get an amen? So I want to talk about a few things, a few indicators that we actually might be living in a gilded cage. And this is not a message for your neighbor. This is not a message for your husband. This is a message for you. So don't elbow the person seated next to you, but just allow God to open your heart and say, maybe this is where I'm at. All of us in this room, I just saw a wife elbow her husband. Maybe, uh, here's what I know for a fact, all of us in this room may fit into one or two of these categories, but the objective today is not shame or condemnation, but it's awareness so that we can make changes and become who God has called us to be. So let's identify 
where we're at, maybe some indicators that we could be living in a gilded cage, heading in a life that we don't actually want. Here's my first point. First point for you and for me today is one indication could be that you are a crypt keeper. Everybody say crypt keeper. A crypt keeper is one who guards that which is dead. And this is a group of people. By the way, if you're here today and you're not sure what it is you believe, you know what? I, I'm not even, this message is for the person seated next to you who says, I'm a follower of Christ. So you get a hall pass on this and you can elbow the Christian next to you, okay? I'm talking for a moment to those of you who say, I'm a Christ follower and a crypt keeper is one who, who has placed a, a greater value on what was rather than what could be. Someone who's always talking about the glory days of moments past where, where you can't think of wins when it comes to your faith and what God is doing unless you're talking about weeks and months and years ago. Always talking about the good old days, singing the boss's song, glory days, about when God did move, when there was a revival, when the Spirit of God was once here. And some of us in this room, we may fit into this category. Always talking about the things that God used to do. And there was a group of people in the same environment with Jesus who were constantly doing this with him. They were referred to as Pharisees. And they were constantly challenging Jesus. But actually in Mark chapter 16, they went up to Jesus and they said, show us a sign. Show us a sign that you really are who you say you are. And what they were doing was trying to compare Jesus to Moses. Moses showed up and he gave Pharaoh a sign. All the prophets which came before you, they had a sign. So show us something that you are like what it used to be. We want to see how it used to be. And the problem was that Jesus was always performing miracles everywhere he went. Crazy miracles, mind-blowing miracles. So it wasn't the fact that there were no signs evitable. The problem was for the Pharisees, the past became an unattainable future. So they're sitting there in the midst of who Jesus is, but they're constantly looking back. And if you and I are constantly looking back, then we're going to miss what's right in front of us. And that's exactly what happened with the Pharisees. I have a friend who was in ministry years ago, and he worked with students and was an associate youth pastor at a pretty good-sized church here in the area. And they had an amazing revival take place, and hundreds and hundreds of teenagers were showing up on a regular basis, and, and God was moving. But some of the leadership within the church didn't know how to deal with it, and they made some kind of poor choices, and they felt threatened, and they shut down the youth ministry. We're talking about 20 years ago. And now 20 years later, he can't get over it. Every time I connect with him, it's what he brings up. And the problem is for 20 years now, he's been unable to connect to a church because he's constantly looking back to what it once was. And now he's completely disconnected. All of his children are discombobulated, running in their own direction, not connected to the church. And it comes back to the fact that this guy was a crypt keeper who couldn't keep his eyes off the past and was missing what God was doing right in front of him. And if all you can see or talk about are the great days which are behind you, then you may be a crypt keeper living in a gilded cage. Another indicator that we might be a crypt keeper is if we're consumer Christians. Everyone say consumer Christians. And consumer Christians eat, drink, and they take it all in. 
Christianity has become an adjective describing an activity in which I participate, but it really should be a noun illustrating a surrendered heart to God. Christianity has become an adjective describing something that I do on a weekly basis or the type of music that I listen to or the type of friends that I have, but really the word Christian should simply be a noun that just illustrates my heart is surrendered to God. The problem is so many of us slip into this consumer mentality and consumer Christians treat their relationship with God like visiting a restaurant. Kind of decide what I want tonight. Do I want Mexican food? Do I want Italian? I want some good tacos. Do I want a burger? I'm going to choose my restaurant. I'm going to walk in, take a seat, cruise through the menu, and I'm going to tell the waiter exactly what I want. We do the same thing with God. And I want a burger, but hold the onions, add extra pickles, give me some mayo. I do not want any mustard. We do the same thing with God when we slip into this consumer mentality. God, I I, am in this relationship, and I'm dating this guy, and I want you to bless it. I want to marry this guy, but but let's not talk about no sex before marriage. That's archaic. That's silly, isn't it? I mean, that's what are we talking about. This is ancient Rome. So listen, bless my marriage, but I'm going to do what I want to do. Got real quiet. And we do this all the time. We're selective about what we want to hear from God. Christianity has become about who I am and what I need. What do I need? We're selective about what truth we decide to listen to. We we decide, we, we have decided morally what we think is acceptable as opposed to allowing the word of God to decide that. Are you tracking with me this morning? My very quiet church. And recently, a study was done with over 200,000 Christians. The study is still ongoing. I don't even know what the number is, but back in 2012, it was 200,000 declared followers of Jesus Christ. And it showed and revealed that this is the slippery slope for Christians. The longer that they're in this journey of faith, there's this this gravitational pull towards consumerism. But Jesus didn't need the survey that took place a couple of years ago. He illustrated that this would be something we would be challenged with in Mark chapter 4. In fact, he indicates and illustrates the gospel and the purposes of God. And he, he illustrates with a farmer who is sowing seed casting seed into the ground and God is the farmer and the seed are his word and his promises for us and he illustrates four different groups of people and one of them I believe was strategically aligned with this concept of consumer Christianity and all the things that that literally are, 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 are grasping for our attention and in the parable in Mark 4 The four different soils were fertile soil, those that are open and receptive. Others were on this pathway that was walked upon and treaded upon. Others were amongst the weeds. And look at what the scripture says in Mark chapter 4. It says this. Jesus was explaining this parable to his disciples. He said, the seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress, look at this, strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. You know what's terrifying to me is when I look at the church at large, specifically in America, I see so many people who wear the wardrobe of Christianity, but inside there's no reflection of change or transformation. 
And I just think it's so easy for us to fit into this mode of, you know, just give me what I want and what I need, God, and then get out of the way. And here's some signs that maybe you or I fit into this consumer Christianity mentality. When church has become about what you need. I know that sounds crazy because we talk about being a place where all are welcome and it's true. But if it's shifted to the place where you get frustrated, if we're singing songs that you don't like. That was a big chuckle. (laughs) If we're hearing sermons about things that, man, I just, can we move past that topic for a minute, pastor? I want to feel good about where I'm going and who I am. And There's nowhere in the scripture, in fact, all throughout Jesus' life, never does he say, hey, you should live a selfish life. Make it about you. Don't worry about anyone else. In fact, I only died for you and no one else. And yet we slip into this mentality. You you might be a consumer of churches just about you. You might be a consumer if Jesus is just about answering your prayers. Now, now, listen, Jesus did say, hey, I, I got this. In fact, come to me and, and, and tell me your concerns. Tell, tell me what's going on in your world. I, I'm in it. And, and pray because I, I want to walk and work in and through every scenario and situation that you face. But, but don't just tell me your woes. I, I want a relationship. I mean, can, can you imagine if Megan only decided to chat with me when she wanted my body? <laughs> it's challenging for her. I'm irresistible, but man, I'm not an animal, Megan. <laughs> can't treat me like this. I want a relationship, girl. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? It's a reality. Y'all pray for me. And yet, when all we do is go to God when we need something, it's the exact same thing. Man, he just, he actually wants, the word says communion, interaction, a relationship. you, You might be a consumer if giving is about a clear conscience and not a generous heart. A clear conscience and not a generous heart. God doesn't need your money. It's his. You just think you're awesome and you can make wealth. But no, no, God gave you everything you is. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And, and, and I don't know why, but your heart is directly attached to your bank account. Can I get an amen? It is. The Bible says we'll know where our heart is because of where our treasure is. And I'm just going to just... I just want to quietly, calmly say something for a moment. Do not tell me that you fully trust God if you are not returning 10% of your income to him. Don't tell me you're fully trusting God. Don't tell me. Not 8%. I didn't make up the number God did. He chose 10. I don't know why. But don't tell me you fully trust God if you're not returning 10% to him. It's not about the movement, church. It's not about our finances. It's about your heart. PC, this sounds so harsh. Sounds so challenging. Can't we just talk about the grace and mercy, Jesus? The love, Jesus. The forgiveness, Jesus. Sure. But we can't selectively choose which teachings of Jesus are for us. 
This is not a menu that we decide, oh, I would like the burger with no onions today, God. We don't, we don't get to choose that. Are you tracking with me? If you're feeling uncomfortable right now, you might be a consumer Christian. Are you tracking with me? Crip keepers, consumers, and contributors. Contributors. Now listen, I, I know it sounds challenging, but look at this. I, I love the definition of contributors, but I'm also a little bit challenged with it. The definition of contributors is this, a person or a thing that contributes to something. Don't you hate it when the word is in the definition? It's really frustrating for me. But the, the way I would define it is contributors are the they. Everybody say they. they. You know what I'm talking about? The they. You know, they say that in the year 2012... You know, they say that if we're not careful by the end of this year, well, who are the they? We don't even know. They're scientists, they're experts, they're somebody. Have you ever said that? Well, they say, and you don't even know who they is. You might have even read it on Twitter. Are you tracking with me? And now they're they. They're the official authorities on everything. Are you tracking with me? Some experts, some scientists, the they. Well, let me just tell you, at TMC, at the Movement Church, the they is the dream team. Yes. The they is the dream team. They set up this morning. And when we showed up, when I say we, I wasn't here. They were here. This stage had a set for their musical or choir performance. So they had to disassemble a stage. And they had to read. This screen isn't normally here because behind that is five billion pounds of something. We don't even know what it is. But they set up. They right now are across the courtyard investing in your kids. They brewed coffee this morning. They, you don't even know this right Right now are praying backstage for you. We have a team of people strategically praying for you and this service right now. Do you know why? Because the Bible says that all demons in hell are coming after our life. The Bible refers to Satan as a roaring lion seeking whom he may not nibble on, not snack on, but devour. So we said, you know what? We don't care. Devil, not today. We're going to build a prayer team. They're going to pray for your life right now. Come on. That was a good hand clap. And let me just tell you, these they are not specialists in volunteering. These they don't have a bachelor's degree in diaper changing. They don't have a master's in banner hanging, although some of them might, Jim. You've got it down pretty well. They don't have a master's in banner hanging. They just realize that they are a part of something bigger than themselves. Are you tracking with me? Romans 16, when I'm gone, I feel like preaching crazy. Romans 16 in the Passion Paraphrase says this, Now those who are mature in their faith can easily be recognized. Those who are mature in their faith can easily be recognized. Look at this, for they don't live to please themselves, but have learned to patiently embrace others in their spiritual immaturity. Our goal, look at this, must be to empower others to do what is right and good for them and to bring them into spiritual maturity. Wow, can you put that scripture, that last verse back up there for one moment? I love it, this says, our goal must be, that's not it, There it is. Our goal must be to empower others to do what is right and good for them and to bring them into spiritual maturity, contributors. But here's the thing. This is God's heart for us, that we're recognized by who we're inspiring. 
The challenge with contributing is that we actually have to guard our heart. Hey, Dream Team, listen to me for a moment. As a contributor, if that's you, we actually have to guard our heart because we can slip into the gilded cage unintentionally. Look at the definition of contributor. It says this, a casual factor in the existence or occurrence of something. A casual factor. Now look at the definition of the word casual. Look at what this says. The definition of the word casual is relaxed, unconcerned, indifferent, and apathetic. You know, if we're not careful, listen, the longer that you have been in church, you are actually faced with an opposition greater than those that have not even decided to follow Jesus yet. Because the enemy knows, he doesn't give up the moment we say yes to who Jesus is. He knows every weakness in our life and he's got this gravitational pull towards consumerism because if I can get you thinking about, I don't know, I like this move right here, it's good, all right. If I can get you thinking about just yourself, then you miss out on the fullness of what God is doing. So I can be on the dream team thinking that I'm com- contributing, but I've actually become casual to the needs of the people that are around me. And now I'm just simply going through the motion. Contributing morphs into consumering, consumerism when it becomes about what I get rather than what I give. When I start contributing because I have to and not because I get to. And that's why I believe that The goal can never be to just stay as a contributor, but we've got to become a catalyst. And look at the definition of a catalyst. It's a substance that increases the rate of a chemical reaction. Another definition is a spark. So we don't invite people to church. We don't pray. We don't serve, give, or attend because it impacts me. We do so because it's a catalyst for others. Are you tracking with me? Because it brings change to someone else's life. So should this message or this series bring shame or condemnation? Absolutely not. But it should challenge growth. Here's the truth. All of us in this room probably fit into one of these categories. And there's no shame in that. The problem is if we choose to stay there. So we should identify where we're at and say, wait, I don't want to stay as I am. I want to grow. And you know what we call growth around the movement, church? Just taking your next step. Hey, not three steps, not a giant step, just a step. Even if it's a baby step. Romans chapter 12 in the Passion Paraphrase says it so beautifully. And I I would just challenge you, maybe some of you in this room, you you need to mark this in your Bible and, and make this part of your devotion this week. Look at this. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. Look at that. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. I don't know about you, but I feel like we live in a pretty selfishly driven culture. We live in a dog-eat-dog world. You got to hustle for your worthiness. You got to hustle to make it. 
Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be, look at this, inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Take a step towards growth. And look how the scripture goes on. It says, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful, satisfying, and perfect in his eyes. You know what that's called? A life of fulfillment. Everyone on this planet wants to know God's will for their life. No matter your faith, to know why I'm here and what I'm supposed to be doing are two of the most profound, perplexing questions. And yet the word of God is saying that if we will allow the Holy Spirit to transform the way that we think, then somehow in the way that only God can, he miraculously makes our way straight. So here are some simple steps to take. Step one, identify who you are. Are you the crypt keeper, the consumer, the contributor? Step one, identify. And if you're the crypt keeper, listen, be the revival here and now. Right here, right now. Friday lunch, I had a conversation with a young girl that works at a restaurant we've been going to for six years. It's about the 52nd time I've invited her to church. Thanks for that laugh, Megan. She wants my body. You guys watch out. This time she was a little perplexed and frustrated, and I said, what's going on? What's going on? And we talked for about 30 minutes. She's just discouraged, going nowhere with her life. I don't even know why I'm in this anymore. It's all meaningless. And she's 26. So I encouraged her. Shared some scripture, but paraphrased it. So I snuck it in there. I said, why don't you come to church? Oh, church isn't for me. It's not for me. Well, tell me why. Well, I just can't believe in a God. Well, I can believe in a higher power, but I don't know about religions, God. Okay. Was it possible that maybe God brought me here today to encourage you? Well, I don't know about that. And, you know, I just think that, oh, okay, great. Why don't you come and hang out at church? I just, it didn't go anywhere. I wrote down our, our website again for the 53rd time. Six years, going to the same restaurant. She still works there. It didn't go anywhere. But imagine if I was a crypt keeper and always talking about the revival behind me and I'd miss the revival right there. I don't know what God's going to do with the seed planted. I just wonder how many people in your world right now are just desperate for a conversation like that. Maybe you're the consumer. Well, get in the kitchen and start cooking. Jump on the stinking dream team. My goodness, we say it literally every week. Jump on the dream. Stop being a consumer. Jump on the dream team. Lead a connector. Do something. Just do something. Are you tracking with me? And if you're the contributor, just remember why we do this. So have a conversation with someone and ask how they got here and what God's doing in their life just to be reminded that it's not about hanging a banner outside. It's not about creating a graphic. It's not about running a camera, making sure the sound's dialed in, playing a guitar and doing this face. 
It's about the people who walk in the room every Sunday just desperate for the hope of who Jesus is. Amen? And remember, as a catalyst, the indication that you're a catalyst is when you inspire someone to inspire someone. Inspire someone to inspire someone else. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a gilded cage. This message isn't for you. This message is for me. It's for all of us. Can I just pray that God would just rearrange the furniture of our life and help us to see the things we need to adjust? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and and let's just invite God to do that. God, we just thank you. And we invite you into this moment. God, help us to see what our own eyes cannot see. Help us to hear what our own ears cannot hear. God, help us to transform the way that we think. Would you reveal your purposes and your plans? But God, more importantly, help us to see where we are right here, right now, so we can make the changes and become who you've called us to be. God, we we desperately need you. Can you maybe heads bowed, eyes closed? Would you just whisper that, maybe say it quietly, just say, God, I desperately need you. Say it one more time. God, I desperately need you. We need you, God. In Jesus' name. Hey, everybody, look up at me for maybe another 30 seconds. The linchpin to this whole concept is having begun a relationship with Jesus. And and I want to talk to those of you in the room now who you're not sure what you believe. You don't get a hall pass on this one. There's a starting point with him. And it's, it's, let me give you some freeing news. It's not about being a member of the movement church, and it's not about having a perfect past. It's not about who your parents are. It's not about what you did last night, last week. It's just about saying yes to Jesus, going, man, I, I've tried this thing on my own, and, and it's not working like I, I wanted it to. And, 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 and in the end of the, the day, I feel like the young girl in the song and I'm trading my life for things that I don't even want. And so if you're here and you've never begun the journey, in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to invite you with no embarrassment and maybe in the quietness of your heart to just join me in the prayer. They're not specific words. It's a specific attitude of your heart. It's this notion that, God, I'm done doing this on my own, and really the Bible refers to it as surrender, to throw up the hands and say, okay, I gave it all to you. So if you're here and you've never begun that journey, right where you're seated in a moment, I want to give you a chance to do so, and look at me in the eyes. Some of you in this room have been running from God, running straight towards a gilded cage, and today's the day to come running back, so make this prayer your own. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, nobody looking around? I'm just going to give you the words to speak. And you say it in the way that only you can and let it be a moment between you and God. Just say, God, I need you. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I'm tired of trying to create my own life. I want you in the fullness of my life now. I surrender my life to you. 
Maybe say it like this, heads bowed, eyes closed. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.